the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and Sarah, and to their descendants forever. The Gospel of the Lord. This one will resonate with the former Catholics in the room. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. You could say that I grew up bi-denominational, with one foot in the Lutheran Church and the other in the Roman Catholic Church. The Lutheran Church was home in many ways, though I also went to Catholic Mass regularly with my father's side of the family. It was my very devout Italian Catholic grandmother who went to Mass every day and spent her mornings faithfully reading her Bible and praying her prayers, who also taught me how to pray the rosary. I loved that ritual, the feel of the beads in my hands, the repetition of the prayers, the connections to centuries of faithful Christians who have prayed the same prayers. Then in eighth grade, as I was about to be confirmed in the Lutheran church, I remember sitting on the edge of my bed holding the rosary that my grandmother had given me and taught me. Soon I won't be able to do this anymore, I thought. Because, you see, everything I had been taught in confirmation classes seemed to suggest that there was something wrong with praying the rosary or with Marian devotion in general. And at odds with the Lutheran faith, as though somehow it was somehow praying to Mary and elevating her to a divine status. What's a Lutheran to do with Mary? It's unfortunate that too many Protestants, to avoid any semblance of idolatry, have thrown the proverbial baby out with the bathwater. Devotion to Mary is seen as somehow too Catholic. But we miss out on the richness of the prayers and the practices that have guided the devotional life of faithful Christians throughout the church's history. There's something about Mary. 
On the one hand, without Mary, they're the mother of our Lord, there's no Jesus. But there's also something more profound and deeper going on. Luther himself wrote of Mary as the most blessed mother of God, the most blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of Christ, the Queen of Heaven. In his essay on the Magnificat, our gospel reading for today, Luther marvels at Mary's faith and lifts up her unique place as the God-bearer. Above all, Luther emphasizes how God's grace regarded Mary's low estates and looked with favor on her lowliness. It is on this single act of God that Mary's song of praise is founded. As Luther writes, when Mary experienced what great things God was working in her, despite her insignificance, lowliness, poverty, and inferiority, the Holy Spirit taught her this deep insight and wisdom that God is the kind of Lord who does nothing but exalt those of low degree and put down the mighty from their thrones. In short, break what is whole and make whole what is broken. It is for this reason that all generations will call Mary blessed, not for anything that she has done, but for God's grace shown to her and made manifest in her life. Mary's song reminds us of God's mighty power to save, that it is God who acts through Mary, through us, through all the saints, to turn the world upside down and make whole what is broken. At the center of her song, Mary describes these works of God. She sings of a God who shows mercy to those who fear him, who scatters the proud, who brings down the powerful and lifts up the lowly, who fills the hungry with good things and sends, em sends away empty those who amass and hoard their wealth only for themselves. Mary sings of a God who flips the world on its head, defying the status quo and subverting our expectations of how the world as it is operates. Mary's song subverts expectations and shows us God's mighty power to save and bring about the world as it can be. It's also important to remember that by tradition, Mary sings. We know that music is a powerful means of communication. Music expresses emotions and experiences that simple speech is often incapable of. It can make us laugh, cry, lament, even call us to action. Last year when our worship moved online and the church's song was dispersed from our sanctuary into our individual homes, we missed being able to sing together. Hearing hymns on our computers at home and perhaps even singing along just isn't quite the same. So on Easter Sunday this year, when many of us gathered in the parking lot for our sunrise vigil, we were able to join our voices together for the first time in over a year. Masked, distanced, and outdoors, we sang our alleluias and resurrection joy together, perhaps as powerfully 
and poignantly as ever before. Music is powerful. The spirituals, once sung by enslaved Africans, enabled those who sang them to express their laments and their anguish, often disguised in biblical imagery, and empowered them to hope for a better world. Likewise, the songs of the civil rights movements, we shall not be moved, freedom is coming, we shall overcome, to name just a few, gave strength to those who resisted injustice and fought for a more equitable society. It is out of this same emotional depth that Mary prays and sings. There is no possible way for her to have comprehended the magnitude of what she was being asked to do or the significance of the events that would be set into motion as a result. And so she sings in fear, in excitement, confusion, and joy, connecting to a force deep within her soul, praising a God who has regarded her and blessed her life a God who is present with her, and a God who has acted and will continue to act. Mary, full of grace, sings of God's grace. It doesn't get much more Lutheran than that. Today, this Lutheran pastor has two rosaries at home, and I've incorporated them into my own spiritual practice from time to time. With each bead, I join my prayers with Mary's own, her song of praise, a song and a prayer of God's victory and power to save. Mary's song reminds us that God stands with the marginalized and the oppressed, and that God powerfully uses the lowly, the despised, and the rejected to turn the world upside down and make whole what is broken. Mary's song is subversive. Mary's song is gospel. It is good news. Mary's song is the prelude to the Messiah growing strong in her womb, who himself comes to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to let the oppressed go free. And Mary's song invites us to sing and to pray along. Hail Mary, Full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.